Welcome to Sex Ed in the City with Drew and Dr. G. About health and sex education in today's modern classroom. Get an inside peek into the world of sex education and real life stories from teachers. Hosted by experienced educators Drew and Dr. G, each episode brings you an open and honest discussion about a range of topics related to health and sex education. Follow us on Spotify, podcasts on Apple, or our YouTube channel, Sex Ed in the City. Stay connected. We hope to see you soon. Bada bing, bada boom, bada bow. <laughs> We are back, bitches. <laughs> yeah, we are. Finally. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's been four, five months. What a four no. months it's been. It's been since July. No, pretty- August. Oh, August, September, September October, October, October. Okay, three months. End of November. Okay. It feels like forever. How are you, Dr. Well, G? I'm, you know, I'm good. I have a little, I think I'm getting a cold, so that's annoying. Um, but otherwise, I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm feeling good. It's the eve of break. So like, it's hard not to be good. Like I'm going to get days yeah. off. I feel happy. Wait, do you have tomorrow off? No, they never give us oh, off. We have to work. Yeah, Miami Dade is all, and yeah, we're all, the kids are off all week, which is good and bad I think it's nice for teachers and for families that can travel but for families that have to work Monday Tuesday Wednesday it's annoying and my sister has to work on Friday even which I think is rude yeah New York is very like all the holidays off and then it's almost like an FU for Thanksgiving which kind of makes sense it's a it's an odd yeah. holiday <laughs> but yeah I'm yeah. gonna be catching the the 5 30 Amtrak from Penn tomorrow it's going to be a zoo Ooh, yeah. <laughs> good luck with that holiday traveling i was supposed to go to london but alas i'm not going oh. that's okay i'm gonna give i have a ticket to see trevor noah on thursday but i'm gonna give it to one i have a south african friend who's actually living in london right now so i'm gonna give the ticket to her so she can go Ooh, enjoy it i'll I'm go sure. to london another time that's feeling a type of way for you but it is <laughs> but i'll be fine I will live and still prosper. <laughs> Trips will come and go. I, I have no yes. doubt we'll be in London soon. Yes. Um, but today, let's get to it. Today we're talking okay. about like bodies and eating and especially with Thanksgiving coming up. Uh, I thought, well, we thought this would be a great episode to kind of talk about all these things, how we navigate this in our lives and also how students do it. So I tied our question to that just a little okay. bit. And I'm keeping it open, but my question today is, what's your favorite holiday tradition? Ooh, any holiday or specific to like Thanksgiving? I'm keeping it any holiday. Um, well, we have a funny one that is about Thanksgiving. So I'll share this one. Um, we, ha- we didn't do it the last couple of years, but, um, it was, it's a good one when, um, so when I was in college in Tucson, my family lived in Northern Arizona. So I'd come up and one year, my mom is an amazing baker. Y'all know Mustang Mindy. She's Mustang. an amazing baker. Yeah. <laughs> so that runs in the family. Like I think my great grandparents had a baker or something. Anyway. So she always would make pies, um, 
and she would make the whipped cream from like scratch, like not the kind out of a can. Awesome. And one year, for some reason, we, as she was cooking it, we got in the biggest siblings. We got in the biggest like whipped cream fight. And my mom was pissed. There was whipped cream everywhere. But then we just started doing it every year, getting in a whipped cream fight. So bad that my mom would make two sets of whipped creams because she wanted to have the one for like the pies. <laughs> and like, even to when like we went to our other sister's house, we would bring whipped cream, like the ready whip. <laughs> and there would be like whipped cream everywhere. And of course they were pissed because no one wants whipped cream all in your house. That's disgusting. I don't know what we're doing. We're bad children. Like who does that? But we had this thing for many years that we would get in a whipped cream fight on Thanksgiving. Like one year it was so bad. (laughs) My, one of my brothers took it too far and he took it to mashed potatoes. I had mashed potatoes in my hair. And then I, someone was in the shower. Like after the fight, you'd have to shower. Someone was in the shower and someone went in and dumped more on them. Whether it was like we got like really aggressive. I want to be a part <laughs> of this while. family. This sounds fun. <laughs> we were a mess. Oh, oh, inappropriate. But yeah, that's one of ours is the w- legendary whipped cream fight. My mother would disown us for making any type of mess. Um, but side comment on that you said everyone in your family is a baker. <laughs> Are you a baker? No, not me. Okay. Although I, I am gonna that. make I am gonna make a pie this year for the first time. I love Thanksgiving. I love cooking the whole meal. Now I live with in a place with people who don't like Thanksgiving food. So I'm like, <laughs> but I love Thanksgiving. I love hosting it. Oh. But I'm gonna make a pie for the first time this year. I've never done that before, but I saw something on Instagram that looked good. So we'll I'll let you know if I'm a baker. But um, uh-huh. my like mom's you... an excellent baker. And so is her mom and I guess her parents. Cooking, on the other hand, questionable, but the baking. Ooh, <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> I feel like you invited me to a Friendsgiving in New York a couple times. I probably did. I, think I used did. to always have it in New York. Like at one point, there'd be like 14, 15 people. Yeah, I remember York. this. Yeah, because there's a lot of us that I was friends with at the time that weren't from New York originally. So it was so expensive to fly, especially those of us from the West Coast, fly from the city to the West Coast. So I would host it and I love it. And we would bring so much and then different people would be like responsible for different dishes. I would always make the turkey because my turkey is nice. Damn. The brine, the brine. Um. Yeah, the those were good times. I mean, and it was mandatory. You you could not dress up. You had to wear sweatpants, and you <laughs> had to bring your own Tupperware to take <laughs> home leftovers. Um, yeah, those were good times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something about New York, like Friendsgivings, are really special because yeah, so many people don't have time to go home, or it's just way too expensive. And there's a lot of people. I've done a couple. Yeah, but yeah they are very special. Yeah, nothing like it. Oh, I miss those times. Those were some of my my fondest memories of living in New York. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, what's your uh, tradition? Oh my God. So our family is, we do all the weird things. I'm going to throw it back to Easter tradition. And this mm-hmm. is going to sound a little crazy, but I acknowledge that. So ever since I was very little, 
my sister and I used to have Easter egg hunts in the house mm -hmm. with actual eggs that we dyed. It was the first person to find six, and that was the winner. Okay. I'm two years older than my sister, and I always tried so hard to win. It was like so important for me to win. Um, there's videos of us doing it, <laughs> like that date way back, and I'm just like screaming and gloating. By the time we got to high school and kept going, like it was a running joke. <laughs> And our friends would come over on Thanksgiving, or sorry, on Easter, and literally watch the hunt. My mom would Just like, the two of you, you and your yes, sister. Full-grown teenagers. Like, you have to go upstairs, and then my mom would hide them, and we would sprint out into the yard, like, hunting. Um, all I remember is one year, my mom <laughs> must have been lazy or something, and she put them, like, all in a row. <laughs> And I won in like three seconds, but there are full on videos of me losing to my sister and like having meltdowns. Oh my God. That's amazing. This continued until, and literally through college, like I would come home from college and do it as well. It's ridiculous that they supported this. You know, that's <laughs> funny. So I love this idea of like adult children because in, in some families, depending on the ages, there's this moment when all the kids are like too big for the kid things, but they haven't had their own kids yet. Not all the time, but a lot of times, right? And so in my family, there was a time like that. And at Passover, because, you know, we're doing Passover, mm. not Easter, my Uncle Tom would always hide the matzah. And we'd have to find the matzah. Okay, so we all want to find it. The big thing was, is whoever found it got to negotiate with him a money prize. And so you got the money prize, and then everyone else got half of that. So like if you negotiated $10, everyone else would get $5. So like when you're little, you'd be like $5. You'd be like hype, right? We started getting older talking about $50. And he was like, nah, but like we were older and there none of us had had kids yet. Um, and then for a while, even though there was kids, they still couldn't like find the matzo. They were still too young. So like we were like people in our thirties wrestling, like, I literally <laughs> remember me and my cousin Jenna like fighting at the bathroom door because we were convinced that the matzo was in the bathroom somehow. What? Fighting for like to get money. I can't believe, like, I just don't understand where the negotiation comes from. You're just like, oh, I'll, I'll give you this matzo for $10. I mean, like, I what think it's kind of like perpetuating some stereotypes about Jewish people. I have oh. no idea why my family does that. I don't even think it's like a thing all Jewish people do. Or maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, fellow members of the tribe write in and tell us, is that have all do all the Jews search for the matzah and fight for it? Or is it just our kooky family? Yeah, we'd love to hear about your holiday experiences. Drew and Dr. Yeah. G at gmail.com or leave us a, a comment on our episodes. Oh my God. That's so funny, Dr. G. Yeah. <laughs> so needless to say, I think all families fight with each other and do these things even as adults yeah me and my sister are still very much like my parents still do like absolutely everything when we go home I, I think it. I think it's kind of embarrassing like I am like an adult child in that way like they already have it done like they don't want help like I'll help clean up but like I don't uh -huh. make anything I'll buy like wine or something but oh no I don't think it's anything to be embarrassed that's how they're showing their love to you that's how they're expressing their love Appreciate That's that. beautiful. Appreciate that. We have like a good beautiful. 
17 at the Miller house this year. It's going to be intense. Yeah, it'll be good. Just somebody bring the wine. (laughs) (laughs) They're already like looking up special cocktails. and I'm like, okay, I can get down for this. Let's have a good time. Fun. (laughs) Yeah. But Thanksgiving (sighs) itself, I know, brings about a lot of feelings for a lot of people. Like it's, it can be tricky in education to talk about it. I know a lot of people go for the, like, what are you thankful for? Like, blah, blah, blah. Uh And I think think that can be beautiful. Uh Um, But also, like, I was thinking about it today. I actually read something on Twitter about, like, when you're talking to teens about food and stuff on Thanksgiving and just, like, emphasize or not emphasizing as much. What was it? It was something about the life at home. Um, Overemphasis on family, right? Because a lot of students... Uh maybe don't live with parts of their family or don't like yeah. parts of their family. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. When I was teaching, I remember talking to students about who's doing things today. And I had hmm. would always have a handful of students not doing anything because their parents were working on yeah. Thanksgiving. And I think that is so important to remember. Like there are teens home alone on Thanksgiving, not with friends and thinking about like how can we maybe build community in that way I think is really important um yeah it's a shame that we could at one point in my life I think it would be so cool to like okay any students that don't you know parents are busy or you don't know where to go could come over now obviously we can't do that there's like many violations and safety and all of these things but what a shame that we can't because I think probably in previous times a people could do that safely and I mean safe for young people and safe for adults you know but Mm -hmm. how great would that be able to be to welcome young people or even like do something that young people want to go to school on Thanksgiving but if there could be like some type of thing on Thanksgiving for those young people that might be cool yeah thank you NYC mayor for continuing to defund public education all the fucking time there's just more and more cuts every year i was Um, reading that and i was like my heart was breaking seeing that what a prick and he's blaming it on the migrants which is like oh my god i'm sure there's other things you can cut besides correct there's lots of things you could do like mm. but i do think i do agree with what you're saying i think it could be yeah like what about these young people who don't have food like we we give them meals in the summer I know that New York City does a good job of like mm-hmm. offering meals at schools to like go over. Uh-huh. I guess that would mean like people would need to work as well on Thanksgiving yeah. and other holidays, which could be really tough for them. Yeah. I think anytime at the holidays when you're talking about as class, it's in your class, it's it can be challenging because you want to talk about these things. These things are happening in life and you, but you also want to exclude people at the same time, you know, and that's hard. I remember being in elementary school. I was the only Jewish kid. And when it was like Christmas time and we were doing caroling in my music class. Mm, like Christmas. My te- yeah. My teacher would be like, okay, Rachel, you sit over here. You're not going to do this part. And she was trying to be like, oh, you're Jewish. You don't have to. She was trying to be like, you know, sensitive, culturally sensitive. 
but like my mom didn't care if we sang carols. I like you, you know me. I'll get into a karaoke. You know, I didn't care. I was like, don't the halls. Like I just I remember being like sad because I was like, mm. I can't do the carols. And but that's the same, it's kind of like similarly if we're talking about all these, like, oh, what are your family traditions? And a kid's like, Well, I stay home and watch TV because my parent or guardian is at work, or you know, it's can be hard. Yeah, that can that can definitely be challenging feel for our students. And I also wonder, I guess, how many of them celebrate is think because Thanksgiving's a very like American thing. I wonder yeah. from our students from who are multicultural, like yeah, what their vibe is. Do they even celebrate yeah. it? Are they just chilling? They doing something else? Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think it depends. I know a lot of my students that um, we're from somewhere else they would just have a different thing they would eat mm. you know like my Dominican students and like a, a my typical like American students would be eating very different things often um yeah you know like they'd be having like a pernil and like arroz con guadules and things like that when like white Americans are having pernil they don't even know what that is you know what I mean so um, but yeah, I'm sure I feel there's a lot of people that don't into it. Not, I mean, my sister and nephew don't even really like Thanksgiving. So they're like, eh. Damn. I feel yeah. like it's the only day of the year we actually eat like a night. Well, sorry, I shouldn't say nice. The only time we actually eat like a turkey. Like, I feel like all oh, the yeah. other holidays are like ham. And I'm like, give me turkey all day. It's done with ham. Uh, so I kind of like wait, it. Wait, when you know, do you eat ham? Christmas and what Easter. Holidays? Oh, that's why I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm like, what? What holidays are we eating? Got it. Probably New Year's too. Like, it's very oh. yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't like those hams. No, I don't want any more ham. Like, <laughs> looks like a giant hot dog. I don't know. I'm not into it. Um, but yeah, it's Thanksgiving is the only day a year. I eat turkey and like my my sister's a vegetarian my nephew doesn't like turkey so like usually I just buy a huge one anyway and I'm like I'm doing it but this year I was like okay I bought the smallest turkey <laughs> since I'm the only one that's going to be eating it um mm-hmm. treat yourself that's okay yeah um no but I usually do I usually go aggressive I usually get like a 30 pound turkey for those of you that are cooks you know that, that seems a, a huge one I feel like that's massive. <laughs> it is. That's why it takes all day to cook. But the, the key is for me, when I cook Thanksgiving, I like to have two pounds of turkey per person so that there's enough for leftovers. Oh, that's great. And leftovers so like if are I, the best. Yeah. You have the turkey so sandwich. Good. The turkey sandwich. Oh the my turkey, God. like round two, round three, the next day. Yeah. Oh, it just keeps going. Yeah. It keeps it's better going. than the original. Until you, that's why you don't. That's why you only have turkey once a year because I take it back. Yeah. <laughs> three days later, you're like, and I don't need turkey ever. <laughs> oh my God. Now I'm getting excited. The joy that food brings for us. I love yeah. it. Oh, when I love that we can talk about food in a pleasure sense and it's fun and it's yummy. And because food is pleasure, it is tradition. It is bonding with family and culture and, and all of these things. And I, I always, I always have a pause when people are so like, well, 
we can only do these things on Thanksgiving or mm. it's like, like, okay, of all the days, just let it rock. Have the second piece of pie, have seconds. Like, not say you eat like you eat on Thanksgiving every day, unless you want to, but at the same time, like, you know, this like restriction mentality is hard for me when people talk about that especially on a date on holidays where food does bring people such community and pleasure. Yeah, I'm that's that's so important to acknowledge and I think this was a really good space to kind of bring up like how many people like feel uncomfortable because of people they're around or just being around types of food at these meals. I'm actually going to have my kids read. I'm giving them an article tomorrow, but I'm not going to make them read it. It's like if you need support but yeah, the way other people talk about food and bodies um, unintentionally can cause a lot of harm, mm -hmm. especially for those who already have eating disorders or disordered eating, but even not like people who are like are insecure about their bodies and things like that. Going home can be or going to whoever's place can be a lot, mm -hmm. a lot, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's why when I would host Thanksgiving, I was like, mandatory sweatpants or leggings. <laughs> like, don't come here with some jeans and a cute outfit. This is what we're doing. <laughs> we're getting drunk. We're eating. We're watching TV and sweats. Like, I would have blankets and pillows. We would, like, lounge. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and even just, like, when you're eating, people making comments. Like, oh, you're going to yes. eat all that? Oh, you're going for seconds. Yes. Oh, or even like phrases, I have a friend who I've talked to her about this before. So if she hears this, she'll know about it. Um, she used to always say this phrase like, oh, I, I'm eating this, I'm a slob kebab, right? And I would be like, let's talk about that phrase and kind of what it means. Um, and just people like, first of all, mind your own business, mind your own plate. But there's so much of that going on. Or even if you see family you haven't seen for a while, they're like, making comments about your body and you're like oh yes even if it's yeah even if it's like a positive compliment that's still like oh like what was i what were you seeing before right so yeah. even that the the way i think we all need to think about it is like try to get away from compliments about your body it's just don't, yeah don't talk about it even if you think it's nice you don't know how that person's internalizing it and the same thing with yeah. how people are eating like yeah let people eat don't comment on oh they're eating a lot or or they're not eating anything stop trying to shove food down their throat my mom yeah. does this all the time it's like it's it's honestly very like a consent thing as well it's yeah. like you are not respecting my no and obviously it's a safer space for a lot of people but yeah I said no like it's good I'm good <laughs> yeah well, and I think also so many so much of it is cultural too yes. like you know there's cultures where if you it's kind of like this thing if you like I grew up you must clear your plate because otherwise that's wasting right. food right or there's other cultures where like you have to leave something left otherwise it means you're still hungry and the host didn't feed you enough right so it's like these like little cultural nuances that if you're not at, in your own family or your own culture that you might not know about um and even the way people talk about food and people, how you 
expect you to eat is very different based on culture in my experience. Like I've been to many different like cultural groups, Thanksgiving, and I've had very different experiences at all of those. Yeah. The morality tied to it, I think is like Mm -hmm. the really problematic piece, which is so incestuous in our culture Mm -hmm. and so many things, especially like fitness or the way we eat, or if we use substances, like the good and the bad, Mm -hmm. it drives me nuts. That's one of the biggest things I'm trying to hammer in with my kids is like, yeah, however you eat does not dictate your worth as a person. That's hard for them to grapple. I mean, it's so ingrained in us as people and especially depending on our culture in different ways, either not Mm -hmm. you're eating too much, you're not eating enough, you're, you're too thick, you're too thin, you know, all of these things. And, and it's, it's really challenging and, and I'll be transparent and it's going to be hard because I know lots of people are going to be here and that's something I, I am challenged talking about, but like as a person of size and who's always struggled with my body, like that is one of the hardest things for me. I'm like, I don't need you to make any comments about my body or my plate. Even just recently, someone was like, oh, I'm so glad we're having dinner. You're one of my only friends that eats. And I'm like, you know, and, and I know they didn't mean anything mm-hmm. ill about it, but I'm like, okay. Um, or I, I was on a date once, this is so many years ago, and a guy was like, wow, you get, you can eat. And I was like, we're at dinner. What do you want? Like, So I just stopped eating. Ugh, I was so young. I was like 23 when that happened. But um, it's really hard. It's like, oh, you're going to eat all that? Yes, I am. Or no, I'm not. Or I don't know. But I'll see. Like, why do you care about what I'm eating, you know? Um it's the food and it's police. really hard because yeah. then all of a sudden that's all you're thinking about. That, that's all I'm thinking about is in my, like, I will go into a place like that and be like, is there the same amount of, am I like equaling the amount of food everyone else has? I don't want to have too less or too much. I like, I will not go first. I will see what other people mm. are doing or even like the speed at which I eat. I will like, and who's thinking about like, I, that's what I'm thinking about at those type of things. And other people, I don't think, think about that. And yeah, that fucking sucks. I don't want to be thinking about, ooh, am I eating at the right pace? Do I have a, the right amount on my plate? That's not what I want to be thinking about, but that's, that's so what real. Comes up. That's so real. Thanks for sharing that. That's yeah. got to resonate with so many people. Yeah. Yeah. People in like thinner bodies, like, or just eat and eat. <laughs> Maybe they're worried about like, and this is a, an assumption, but it's like eating too much, but like, yeah, the stigma of people in bigger bodies and then the way they eat and then mm-hmm. their size is just really problematic. Yeah. And even when, you know, I've fluctuated with my weight throughout my life, mm-hmm. even when I've been more fit or in a smaller, I've never been like a thin person. I've always been very muscular, very active. But even when I was those thinner bodies, people would still say it like, oh, better watch how much mashed potatoes you, or like some like comment. I'm like, and some of the time it's been negative. I mean, I've noticed it specifically. White people have been much more negative to me about my body than people of color, especially. I, uh, did a lot of like holiday events and big eating events with black folks. And so like, it was, it was just a very different experience in those two spaces. 
there were still comments about the body, but they weren't meant as negative often from black folks that mm-hmm. I experienced. Um, and, and granted, I'm just talking about my experience with the people, my friends, but it's a, it's hard when that's always at the top of your mind when you're eating or at a function. Yeah. When people are making all these judgments about <clears throat> you as a person, like your morality, your overall health, your mm-hmm. like a, your like ability to control just based on your weight and your size, like mm-hmm. we're going nowhere, right? Yeah. All these, I mean, there's so much research now, so many things out there about like size, not being a determinant of health. Mm-hmm. And that's another important skill as well for students. It's like, we can't all be the same size. We shouldn't. You cannot judge someone based on their health. Yeah. And just because someone's in a thinner body does not mean they're healthy. I know some thin folks that are significantly, have significant medical issues, you know. Um, And let's not shame them either, right? There's people that are like, people that are always like, I'm too skinny. Or we just leave people's bodies alone? (laughs) That's so... We're so fixated on that, especially in the U.S. I'm oh, not yeah. saying it's not in other countries, but when I live other places, the way people talk about their bodies and experience their bodies, for me, has been very different. We're taught and we learn from a young age to hate our bodies, that we need to be moving in order to shrink it, that less is more. Um, it's constant unlearning and a lot of people never even get there they see health as number on a scale or Mm -hmm. bmi and they ignore how holistic it truly is and how multi-dimensional and Mm -hmm. maybe their body looks physically fit we also confuse fitness and health yeah Yeah. but like are you getting your eight hours of sleep are you abusing substances are you I don't know, taking care of your mind. Happy with your life. Correct. <laughs> Joy. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like yourself as a person? <laughs> you know, I know some people with very fit bodies that some people would label as perfect bodies, which Correct. I don't believe that's a thing Correct. that are, that are freaking assholes and completely miserable. And I'm like, well, maybe if you ate some French fries, you wouldn't be so angry because <laughs> you're just out here hangry every day for life. <laughs> oh my but gosh. you know, no, nah, I joke. But like, literally, why are we think we think about health as literally size and body? There's so much more to our health and wellness Mm -hmm. than that. And I'm someone who teaches this and I still struggle with it. So like, it's not that it's not easy by any means, but it's ingrained in our body and our minds and our souls. Yeah. We know this as teachers, like we can talk about things all the time. That doesn't mean we're experts in it ourselves, Mm -hmm. like applying it to our lives. And it makes sense. Like it really does make sense why people like are pursuing these like thin, like muscled bodies. Like they are treated better. Like (laughs) let's, let's not get it twisted. Like to be in a bigger body in this society, you are treated worse in almost every realm. Like systematically, it's hard to get a job, like people are judging you like yeah. why the would clothes anybody... aren't as cute correct like why do we have like certain sizes have to shop at like the junkie store 
people in all shapes and sizes that got money and want to buy fancy mm-hmm. things <laughs> like what you know yeah it's and i think it's also gendered but i don't want to say it's it's worse for people that are socializing to females i think it's diff i think there's different depending on how you are socialized by your gender because i do think people that are socialized as boys have some of the same stuff come up but maybe from a different you know from a different angle and it's more about like muscles and and strength and height um so I, I do think that sometimes this conversation is very like all about girls and i and that's not the case that's a really good point uh i was at a conference this past weekend and i went to this workshop on eating disorders um and the woman was incredible but yeah it's it's very much an all gender issue um rates have skyrocketed since covid which is no surprise so it's definitely important to be like mindful of the way we talk about food ourselves and our bodies as well with our families at home uh but also like with our students right there's so many times i'm tempted to be like i don't know like compliment their clothes or something and i know clothes are like probably a little better than their bodies to compliment Mm -hmm. but i've really tried to get out of that habit it's Mm -hmm. hard yeah it is it is it's not easy and it's like it's just our lexicon of way we talk Mm -hmm. and how we learn to speak and interact with each other um and i'm curious you know i've only ever lived in one other country and i've only I mean, I lived in Mexico for a couple of months, but I'm gonna, I don't think that that counts as long enough, but I'm, I'm curious in other languages and in other countries, how that lexicon is, right? Cause we have so many phrases that are negative and about bodies. And I'm curious uh, if other languages have those same type of phrases or if they mean the same thing, right? Cause in like Spanish, you'll like, you know, that, you know, a flaco y, y el gordo means the, the skinny and the fat, right? But it has a different connotation mm. than, I see what you're saying, than like what it would mean when it's English. I mean, it still means thin and, and fat, but it doesn't like have this same, like, not always the same, like, negative underpinning of, I don't know. So I'm curious, you know, I'm always going to the international side. Like what are other you are? I love that about you. Yeah. Like what is like we're we're so, you know, we're in the US, we're American. Like this is this is how we're, you know, wired. But I'm curious about how it is in other places and how other people are wired. Yeah. I would mm, I would imagine so many, there's just so much shame in our culture mm-hmm. around everything, including food. I bet these countries that are a lot more accepting or like, I don't know what word I'm looking for. Up, I don't want to say uplifting. I bet they have a lot of better relationships with food. It's more about mm-hmm. culture, family, the experience, pleasure, not necessarily about like, am I getting these nutrients? Is this going to put fat yeah. or weight onto my body? And I guess that's prevalent in every culture, but I think- yeah at least in America, a lot of ours is focused on controlling our size and nutrient nutrients um, to eat or avoid in quotes versus like. Well, then, yeah. 
and we're also it's all capitalism right they're gonna oh, sell yeah. you all the things to make you all the things um so good old capitalism always comes in everything and just really gets you going. Don't get me started on the diet culture industry. That shit is whack. It's so, it's a shame, you know, and I have some friends that are really in the fitness industry, personal trainers, dietitians. And sometimes I'm like, Ooh, careful, careful. And part of it's because I'm so sensitive to that kind of stuff. But it's really like, you know, the fitness industry is like, buy all these, transform, change yourself. It's all about changing yourself rather than like, hey, come do something fun. Let's experience this movement. Let's, Let's learn to accept ourselves for who we are. Um, you know, a lot of women in my age group are going, we're starting perimenopause and that's a big thing. So women's bodies changes and um, there's so much talk about change your body or control it, stay young. Okay. And (laughs) how Mm -hmm. also can we learn to kind of like shift and grow and love ourselves in these new bodies that are going to be different because they are different. They've lived four, five, six decades, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that we just so much focus on changing ourselves as opposed to loving ourselves. And ha- and I think if we loved ourselves more, maybe not. I think that there is something to be said about how we feel with ourselves and therefore how we bring pleasure to ourselves whether that's through movement or hygiene or different other things right Mm -hmm. financial wellness or spiritual wellness right so when we love ourselves more we tend to take care of ourselves in all the different ways more whether it's like building community or whatever it might be so maybe if we just focus on loving ourselves rather than changing ourselves everything else will kind of fall in line Oh my God. That was a deep thought. It's yeah. yeah, We are people think that they get to like one size and that's where they need to be for the rest of their life, which is super problematic because you are always growing and getting bigger, especially teenagers. Um, So expecting your body to be the same size, it's kind of like expecting it to do the same things forever. It's just, it's just not how it works. And, And also this concept that like you always need to be bettering yourself whether and this doesn't even just do with like fitness or your body mm-hmm. but just like in everything you need to be constantly growing and improving and getting better that's also capitalism like that's it's mm-hmm. just like you need to be doing more you need to be spending more money and it's like just be <laughs> yeah just be and I think a lot of us don't do that and it makes sense why because we're pushed to quote unquote be better I'm good enough. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck the self-help section. I am good enough, right? And listen, I mean, there's a difference from being stagnant because you're afraid or whatever emotion than being just seeing what happens and enjoying your life because 
And then, you know, I saw a meme that was like, you know, I'm not, I can't believe I, I put on this earth to go to work to nine to five and make oh. money and just die. Oh. Right. And regardless of how you believe, like why humans exist, I don't believe that's why we're here either. Like there's so much more to life and let me get on my zoom call, you know, and clock in. Yeah. Like, that's not why we're here to do those things. We're here to have pleasure and joy and community and other stuff is just modernity <laughs> telling not, us what to do. Yeah. I'm not here to over-exercise, like do all these things all the time to look a certain way. And I think a lot yeah. of us spend a lot of time doing that. I want, I want to be happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a privileged position as well from a person in like yeah. a fit body. But it's like, yeah, especially like having depression and anxiety. Like my best times are when I'm my happiest. And that is not, for me, that is not at the fucking gym. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, it's also, I think we're talking about privilege. It's also this privilege of from a very wealthy country, right? There's so many places mm-hmm. where people don't have the nourishment they need for, you know, a myriad of reasons. Um, so we were over here like, oh, stop eating your mashed potatoes. You have to wear a sports bra. When like other places are like, no, we really wish, you know, how whatever's going on in their economy and for whatever reason or, that there's, you know, there's a food scarcity or the, the climate or what what have you. So, well, we're over here, you know, worrying about our gym membership. Um, there are other very real things going on in the world. Real talk. Yeah. I, I think the food like whole industry is just like <laughs> so scary to me and so unknown and I don't know it's hard like I'm thinking of like intuitive eating and like learning to make peace with food and stuff but like I know a lot of us like eat a meal and we're we're immediately thinking like I don't know running our thoughts through it rather than actually relaxing and enjoying it yeah I mean every day I hear someone say I got to earn my, this dessert, or I have to run tomorrow, or I can eat this because I worked out today. Like, it's not like a bank account, you know, people don't even realize they're saying that. Like, why, why no? Like, (laughs) you don't have to earn food. Um, You just don't period um, people are always I hear people say that all the time and I am also living in a city that is very wellness problematic <laughs> which has been triggering for me if I'm being honest I'm like oh this is a hard city to be in um yeah it's intense in here yeah like I mean everybody's in their swimsuits all the time that's what yeah. I would imagine. And also like very exercise mm-hmm. heavy, I would say. And like, it's very wellness and in- wellness industry here. Oh yeah. The potions, the lotions, the, this thing, it's all about biohacking here. I'm like, Ugh. oh God. I'm like, okay. And I mean, yeah, there's some things, right? Like that you should go beyond just Western medicine and what foods work for you and your mm-hmm. body. Right. Yeah, of course. 
but like it just it goes a little too far i'm like all right calm down calm down gotta nourish that on yeah we've we've taken it beyond what it needs to be now oh my god good news about new york is i feel like if i don't go to the gym it's at least like wow i walked everywhere today getting all the steps i love that about new york oh i miss that (laughs) i drove four blocks to the pharmacy (laughs) you told me this in the monsoon right yeah but i'm like embarrassed like it's too hot i'm gonna drive four blocks you were sick no i wasn't i could have walked i could have driven i've done it many times (laughs) i'm like this is like just really embarrassing like never and i really miss that walking culture um so much like if i never had to have a car again and i could go back to a place that has uh transportation reliable public transportation I used to walk like easy 12,000 steps a day, 15, easy. Now I'm lucky if I get 5,000, 1,000. Like, oh yeah, I walk my dog, but that's no eight miles, <laughs> you know? Our, our country isn't designed for walkers. It, it fucking sucks. New York, maybe Philadelphia. Like how many cities can you actually get by without a car? Very yeah. few in the United States. Yeah. I I love that mentality though, like, my friend Mitch is works for the parks department. He's like very anti, I don't want to say anti-car, but he's like, cars are killing machines. And they do, they kill a shit ton of people. Yeah. The streets people, are People, the environment. Yeah. I like land. I, I don't want a car anymore. Like I'm so happy with that one. I will happily pay for public transit. Like I don't care if it takes longer. Like I don't, I do yeah. love, I do love being able to ride in one, but like, ugh, fucking yeah. cars. Like, you know, it's nice at some times when I have yes, to go a long distance to be able to jump in a car and go somewhere far, right? Like, it's not like going from Brooklyn to the Bronx and three hours later, you miss your train and the next <laughs> one's not coming and it's local. You know, it's not like that. Woo! But I I miss, I used to, so when I lived in Crown Heights, I used to walk to the G train, which is like a 15 minute walk, get on the G train get off in Long Island City and have to walk another 10 minutes. And I felt so good in the morning. I had my brisk little walk because, you know, you can't walk slow in New York. You're like <laughs> going. I have mm-hmm. my little, I would, it would just be like a morning like thing. And yeah, I'm walking my dog in the morning, but she's Captain Sniff a lot. So it's like <laughs> slow and we're like, you know, Dragging it's not that adrenaline, adrenaline, like endorphin rush that I used to. One of the, f- one of the good things about New York, we love the walk, unless it's going to rain like it is for the next 24 hours here, and it's going to be uh, messy. Yeah. Taking the bus. Yeah. But then, I mean, just to bring it back to, like, young people, like, how how do we, I mean, we have them for such a little time. You know, I used to maybe have 12 days in my nutrition unit. Mm-hmm. And how how do we teach them some of this stuff and kind of like have them unpack it and and reframe it for them just the short amount of time when I mean like they have all these other messages like I've had young people look at me like you're crazy you don't know what you're talking about because everyone else and everything around them is saying such different things so 
I don't know the answer. I don't know if you do, but um, how do we help them work through that in this limited time we have with them in our class? That's so important. Yeah, it's incredible to acknowledge that like we are getting them maybe in ninth grade. I don't know when, but like they're getting these messages up till all these years, so many about food and bodies. It's, I just try to plant seeds and like get run home some like major messages, like no morality. We use health at every size. We can attach that in the, yeah. um, the, what's it called? The podcast notes. That's been really great. Mm -hmm. Um, and really help them understand that. But other than that, it's, it's just a lot of unlearning or getting them to question it a little bit. Some of them are just so like set in their ways. I'm just like, mm-hmm. what's one thing that fits your worldview and what's one thing that doesn't? Cause they're so ingrained. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah, especially in the ninth grade. I think by mm. 10th and 11th, they can start expanding a little bit. But mm. ninth grade, they're still at that stage where they're like, no, this is what it is. You're like, all right. Um, yeah, I love what you said just about like nuggets and just have them think about their own worldview. Because, mm-hmm. you know, then we also have student athletes where yeah, for their sport, they may have to do certain things and eat a certain way. And I think that's important to acknowledge as well, right? When, you know, when people bring up all these, well, I'm not supposed to eat past this and that and that. I'm like, okay, what are you trying to do? If you're trying to be a professional bodybuilder, then of course there's different things we mm-hmm. do. You know, and and I'm not saying that, you know, we also know there's some really harsh things going on in the sports world as well. I mean, I remember my high school softball team, the softball girls, the coach made them weigh in. Mm. Now, hopefully that's not happening anymore, anywhere, but I bet you it is. So I think that, you know, it's important to be like sports specific, but also still healthy you know like wrestlers in my high school wrestlers always had to make weight and the things yeah. they were doing to make weight and they were like state champions every year was really problematic i mean wildly problematic that whole team had eating disorders um so it's i think it's another curious thing to think about and i'm wondering how do you broach it with your runners like what do you have these talks with them or like what do you how do you approach it as a coach it's a good question I probably should spend more time on diet um honestly my thing with them is they just need to be eating right like you need to be fueling your body I've kind of like I don't even necessarily tell them what to eat because I don't know if that's my business I'll say like carbs and stuff but like a lot of them, especially the new kids are like not eating lunch during the day and then they can't finish the workout or they're not eating like something afterwards to like refuel or replenish their body. I am hardly, I don't give a shit what they eat. (laughs) That's not true. Like don't eat Skittles before a race, but (laughs) (laughs) just get, eat your whatever, however many meals, like eat a snack if you're hungry so that you can compete. That's about the length I go with them probably could go deeper but to our health classes I love that you brought up the athlete point because I think it's just it really is important like not one diet works for every person Mm -hmm. and it's not meant to right there's so many variables and prescribing this thing for everyone not gonna work yeah for sure 
Yeah, I think about like when I coach cheerleading. Ugh. I was just gonna I... ask. Yeah. The only thing I I would love to have some of I need to ask some of them. If any of you all uh that are listening were uh, you're on one of my teams, I would love to hear your perspective of how mm -hmm. I talked about it because I don't remember it. What I remember the most was like taking my cheerleaders to camp. And I had a couple that were very picky eaters and they didn't like the food. And so they were just going to eat like rolls and cookies for four days. And I was like, absolutely not. You need to have some salad, some of this chicken strip. I don't know, but you can't eat rolls and cookies for four days. And so I remember like that, that's the thing that's sticking out most. I definitely had to like have strong words with some other teachers who would mm. say things about my cheerleader's skirts based on their size, like the tight, you know, like the smaller body people, they wouldn't say anything about the skirts, but my girls that were bigger bodies, they would say things. And I'd be like, I had to, I definitely had to check quite a few teachers about that. Um, definitely. Get them. Yeah. I was like, absolutely not. You're not telling her anything about her skirt. Her skirt is fine. Like, and my, my, my girls, they were like, it wasn't their ass was hanging out. I mean, you know, but they would, they had, a, they would have a problem with sometimes the bigger bodied girls. Ooh, those are some fights. I, I re I'm remembering two really vividly once with a football coach when I taught in Long Beach, California. And the other one was with a fashion teacher when I taught in New York, old school. She said something to me and I, I went in. I was pissed. <laughs> drag so, them, drag them. Hopefully they never yeah. made that mistake again. And it was like a, a learning experience yeah. and they kind of like, oh, check themselves. Yeah. Who knows? But I do wonder how, what my students that I coach, the kids I coach, I wonder what their perspective on me about that would be. I wonder, um, like I never had kids weigh in. I never I was very, when they're trying on their uniforms, they did it privately, their size, like, but we also had like many different body types, you know, like when I was in high school, it was all white girls. Cause I went to a, you know, 98% white school and I was the, the bigger kid. And I was like a hundred pounds less than I am now. Okay. That's what's wild. And it was very shamey. But when I've taught Every, they're all thick and small and tall and short and like they would they're my teams are always very different um so I, I would love to say that it perhaps wasn't as big as an issue for them but I don't I don't remember yeah we don't know I, I, I'm sure yeah. that there's some kids that have different feelings and that I would I feel, I feel like I need to reach out to them and get their opinions and how they felt I hope I didn't cause any harm and trauma to them um, I think I'm just thinking now like I make the young people come get their their uniforms and they have sizes and I have to record them and I don't make it a big deal at all or anything but I'm wondering if it like feels weird for them to tell me their sizes huh. yeah something to think about I was recently at a dance studio I'm no longer at the dance studio but the person who does the costumes put my size in the group chat for everyone and I was pissed it has to do with my own issues with shame over my mm -hmm. body but also like bro don't you know like it's private like you couldn't message me private but 
you know, I live in Florida, so it's different here. But I was, I was really pissed. I was like, hmm, well, it's no one's business, but now everyone knows. But, and that's wrapped up in like my privacy, but also my own shame around my own self, which obviously I'm still working on. <laughs> it's <laughs> so, a lifelong journey for sure. I, I don't want it to be. I just want it to be over. So annoying. <laughs> I, I, it's a really struggle that I, this still bothers me. Anyway, I'll save that for therapy. Any of my psychologist listeners right now are like, oh girl, <laughs> I'll send you a referral. Don't worry. I have a therapist, everyone. Working on my issues. <laughs> Same. Love you, Dina. Um, but we can link some resources in the bio of our Yeah, let's definitely. Podcast. I got health at every size. I got intuitive eating. And I'm going to share the article that I'm sharing with my kids. Awesome. about. It's called Thanksgiving means family and food and plenty of harmful diet talk. Here's how to deal with it. So it gives lots yeah. of strategies. Yeah. Um, also, the the newest Substack by Christopher Pepper, Mr. Health Teacher. Mm. He um, is talking about that on things about Thanksgiving and what, you know, different activities and things. So we could check that out. We can link his Substack. Wow. He's an amazing resource. Shout out to Chris. Um, also, I think we should link Christy Harrison's book, The Anti-Diet Ooh. and um, The Wellness, her newest one. What is it called? The Wellness Track. Track? Yeah, she's amazing. I got so much of my ideas from her. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. (sighs) Wow. Good to be back. It's good to be back with our sessions. Like, I didn't realize how much I missed you and needed you. I mean, we still talk, but like, it was so good. (laughs) It was so good. Uh, All right, folks. Well, it's been real. Hopefully you have a happy Thanksgiving or whatever, if you're not celebrating anything, but thanks for joining us today. Yeah. And eat all the things or don't eat all the things. Do whatever brings you pleasure (laughs) and joy. And we'll see you next time on Sex Ed in the City. Bye, everybody. Bye.